Jap, you can't ignore it. I'm transforming now these cars and planes, I'm always boarding. Just out touring down in Charlotte like I play for Hornets. When I'm performing, never boring, now you can't afford it. Champagne Perrier. What's up, what's, what's up, up, ladies and gentlemen? Up. Welcome back to the King and I Life podcast, hosted by myself, So Touch and Forward, and my brother, Sun Solex. Yo, yang. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a good show for you tonight. We are interviewing Mr. Richard Blank, Mr. Philly in Costa Rica. Um, but in the meantime, in between time, Sun Solex is going to headline the show mostly because I am at my son's track meet, but be tuned in because we definitely still going to have a great show. Son, so let's go ahead and knock it out for him. Definitely. Well, uh, again, you guys can always reach out to us at K-I-N-G-A-N-D-E-Y-E-369 at gmail.com. Again, that's King and I, uh, 369 at gmail.com. Again, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're out here in these social media streets. So any um, platform you can think of, look for our names. You will find us. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, like we said, we got a good show for y'all tonight. So I hope everyone tunes in. Uh, Mr. Richard, Mr. Blank Richard, my homie in Costa Rica from Philly. Um, he's definitely going to sprinkle some gems on y'all and give y'all a lot of good information. So without further ado, um, let's get into this conversation. Let's just let's just roll with it. For sure. So, again, uh, this interview is with Mr. Richard Blank. Costa Rica's call center. Um, he has a lot of information he's going to be, you know, sharing with you guys. So I, I hope you got your notepad and your pen and all that prepared. But uh, I think this is going to be a great show and we're looking forward to starting this process with him. So with that being said, give us a little bit about your background, sir. Well, gentlemen, I first want to thank you very, very much for having me as your guest on the show tonight. And, and my background goes to Northeast Philadelphia. Back in 1991, when I graduated the proud Abington High School, most of my friends were going Ivy League to study medicine and law and engineering and architecture, but your buddy, he was a dreamer, and I doubled down on my favorite class, which was Spanish. So I went to the University of Arizona because Philly is very cold in the wintertime, and I wanted some sun. Right. So I was a Spanish communication major, and just like you guys, I mastered public speaking, rhetoric, and I needed a special sauce. So I decided to do micro expression reading. In college, I got college experience and work experience working at Telemundo. So I did promotions and public relations and post-grad. Nice. I sold beer for Corona for an importer. So I was prepared. And at 27, a one in a million chance crossed my desk. And I got an opportunity to move to Costa Rica for just two months to work mm -hmm. at a friend's call center. Well, little did I know I've been here for 22 years. And wow. so what I could say is from Philadelphia to Costa Rica, it can happen. As long as you can get past your parents' guilt, you can live anywhere in the world. So that's my only advice. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of those things that people have to get past because your parents be like, well, you need to stay close. I need you to stay around just in case. Of course, of course. But maybe you have momentum. Sun Soul, maybe you are on a vision quest 
and you have these certain feelings about you that is gravitating you towards something. So right. as long as I wasn't hurting anybody and I had good intentions and obviously this positive reinforcement of this language and how people were responding to it, my parents had to support me on that. If not, then they'd be putting me in some predisposition, uh, preset career that right. would just limit my skills. And, and you know what happens to people when they're forced into doing things. They, they don't turn out as well as they would like to. Yeah, because the thing about it is um, for individuals, when you're forced to do uh, a certain path that you did not want to do, it's kind of like you're stifling your own growth. So... Uh, of course, you, you want to be the best individual you can be at whatever, you know, field you decide to go into. But it's just sometimes, you know, your parents may have other plans for you and you're up here trying to please them. And, you know, you're, again, stifling your own growth by doing that. But eventually I, I found that a lot of people, you know, turn their life around or start going in a different direction once they hit a certain plateau and they are come to, you know, the enlightenment of this isn't making me happy. So that's when they'll start their, their new course of, you know, in life. Well, a lot of it's maturity as well. I mean, you, maybe you're seeing me now as a CEO of a call center bilingual, the whole shebang, but right. mind you, this, this happened in my mid thirties is when I started this company. So a lot of the times it takes people a while to have impulse control, to have experience, or maybe being able to step up to that responsibility, in my case, of payrolls and job stability and contracts. And so not saying I could have done it in my 20s, right. but I was still finding myself. I still haven't traveled to Costa Rica yet, and, and I just wasn't ready. And so I believe that things should happen naturally. And if someone's not happy with the current situation, then potentially they should discuss it with people that instead of saying N-O, maybe they should K-N-O-W enough about your position. And, right. and then, Sansol, from an educated point of view, they can make a decision because a lot of times they do it on a whim or just on impulse. And if they just do a little bit of due diligence, if they maybe even like I did for two months, I could have always come back, but I decided to stay. But right. instead of leaving a job and starting something new, maybe having a side gig or dipping a toe in the evenings or in the weekends on testing it and, and seeing where that goes, um, people have families. And people do have responsibilities. And so as much as you want to live free and have these feelings, once again, you, you, you have this sort of uh, unit that's depending on you. Right. And so before making these sort of very huge decisions, I, I think, and it's not even speaking about it with your best friends. Sometimes like you and I, it's the first time we're meeting today. Right. And a lot of the times when you share your intimate thoughts with a stranger, or let's say a bartender, you probably get something better out than if you were speaking with someone that prejudges you. So my suggestion is to get out of the, bo the bubble and to speak to other people that might give you a different perspective that may not even know you. So then yeah. you might get an actual balls and strikes sort of answer if you're asking a question. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, again, a, a lot of times it's, it's best to go with what you're feeling, you know, but again, there's nothing wrong with uh, doing your due diligence to do your research on whatever field it is that you feel you want to pursue. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So uh, give us a brief background of your, your experiences um, starting from college to the point you're at now. 
That's a wonderful question. What I needed to do in college, Sun Soul, was to get experience. But A, I had college and parties to go to, but I also <laughs> needed to put something on a resume. So I did a couple of things and you're gonna love this. At the University of Arizona, there was always ski trips in winter and Mazatlan trips for the spring. Now I was on a college budget, but the people that were there on campus said, if you sold five trips, you could go for free. I sold 25 trips. Not only did I go for free, but I hooked all my boys up for half price so we could have fun money that I'd spend on everyone anyway. And wow. so for the first couple of years in college, I was going skiing in Reno and Mazatlan for spring break. And so that covered my trips. But then when I was in college as well, there was an organization called Casa de los Niños. And in my junior year, what I did was I raised money for this place for abused and neglected children. I, I did this through a haircut marathon on campus. So the guy that used to cut my lid actually came on campus and for five bucks for five minutes, we raised about 800 bucks for this organization. And I did this once again for work experience. I parlayed that raising money with that internship with Telemundo because I, you know, put my name out there and I was being introduced to people. And so what I was doing was the initiative. I was doing things for free so I could get the experience more than someone paying me five bucks to do something an hour. And I realized that when people were looking at my resume and realizing that what I was doing and how I put it together, it really added on to the momentum of the jobs that I had post-grad. But mm -hmm. it was really about speaking Spanish. I had to immerse myself. I had to go into the deep end and do this. And so all of my activities had to involve my major. So at least I was recuperating the investment I made in my education. Wow, that's, whoa, that's deep. Um, so let me ask you this then. Back then, you know, in your youth or earlier years, did you actually have the insight to know where you were heading or you're like, you know what, I, I, I love getting to know people and learning new things. Um, so I'm just going to throw myself into, you know, sales and, and see where that takes me. Well, I, I knew this, that if I could speak Spanish and none of my friends could, I was marketable. And if I was able to communicate effectively, I might get a job and then my parents aren't going to grill me. But little <laughs> did I know that the skill sets that I studied and applied made me in a, a certain leverage where I was getting promoted. I was getting noticed. I was getting these offers. And so, as I say, going back into my teens, this is what I did know. I always read the books of adventure. You always were impressed with the knight that left the castle, slayed the dragon and saved the princess. Right. I needed something like that. And my family came over from Europe at the turn of the century from Romania, Russia, Germany, and Poland. And both sides of my family, my mother and father's side, my great grandparents, these individuals were actual entrepreneurs. So they came as being tailors. So they were able immediately to hone their craft in New York. And my family in Philadelphia, what they did was kind of like what Sears did through their catalogs where we were doing um, furniture, it's cons uh, consolidated home furnishings. And so we would give things on layaway prior to that. And that's what my grandfather built his business on. And mm -hmm. so 
my parents could say to me, well, Richard, you should be doing something in the United States, what we expect you to do. And I turned it around and said, but what about great grandpa that came from Armenia? He moved to another country. He started a business. He right. then learned a second language. So in essence, I'm really just following in the tradition and the footsteps of my family, son soul. And that was pretty much my strongest argument that if they did it, I want to do it. Where are you going to go back to Europe? No, I'm going to do Spanish and then do something in better weather. And so that's pretty much where I got it was as a young man. Wow. Hey, that's, that's um, that's, go ahead. No, I'm done. You go ahead. Um, so I was listening to that and that was very interesting. So, um, when, when you presented to your family that was there a lot of pushback as far as no, you're making a mistake. Oh no, I want you to do this. Um, if you don't do this, then we'll banish you as you know, some cultures do. Oh no, no, no. It, it was, it was more for the fact of they didn't know. Like my, my grandfather went to, you know, Harvard Law. My father went to Columbia Business School. And my brother went to Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. So imagine that bar that I'm trying to reach. Right. I myself did not graduate private school. I left in seventh grade and went to public school. And so that's number one. Number two, my grades were not Ivy League. In fact, if it wasn't for the college recommendation I got from my principal, I don't know if I would have gotten into Arizona. And so I was more of the black sheep of my family. Okay. And I wasn't going to do some sort of entry level. I knew I had skills and I, and I had potential. But then again, my parents, there was no way that I would have been able to follow in those sort of academic footsteps that they wanted me to. I didn't have the structure, discipline, or the maturity to do economics, finance, and law. I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. It would have made me miserable. And so once again, my earliest rhetoric, my earliest structured arguments was convincing my family on both sides that my great grandparents weren't wrong. And so at least they kind of said, well, you kind of checkmated me on that one, didn't you kid? And I go, yes, I think I did. And so as long as I didn't fail out of college or goof around, they were going to once again, add to that momentum. And, and that was cool. Right. And I respected my family for that. Yeah, it's okay. definitely something, you know, when you have your, your family support behind you. Yeah, um, but so check they... this out. The University of Arizona was a fraction of the cost of the other schools they wanted me to go to. So imagine hey. just paying under, under 10 grand a year to go to school. <laughs> so, so that was part of that decision, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, most of us... Uh, you know, in our culture, we don't think about that. But I mean, it's good that you had the foresight to think about that and, and you know, and, and create your path and, and your journey and make it work for you. Well, look at your name, my friend. I mean, soul touch of the poet. The poet is universal. The poet is yeah. Renaissance. It's a romantic. Why would you call yourself that name if you weren't living it? And so that I believe true. that I was the same where mm -hmm. I was being very true to my soul and to myself. So right. I could at least at the end of the day, gentlemen, look at myself in the mirror and give myself five and say, right. good job, champ. Maybe that's a Philly thing. Maybe it's the way my friends toughened me up. 
or maybe it's from a past life and a future life, both telling me, Richard, in this life, you know what you need to do. You have this spiritual quest that you need to fulfill. And that's why my story might be so amazing to you. But to me, this is just me. This is just the normal way it should have been. Right. And so the fact that I can share this story of long shot, of somebody that holds their ground and believes in themselves, then by all means, then use this story to motivate somebody to follow their dreams. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So, so Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that's what I was just about to ask. Why Costa Rica? I mean, you touched on it a little bit. Um, it was and, and, almost and decided you, for me. My friend was here with his call center. It could have been any Central South American country, but it happened to be sunny Costa Rica. And not only that, I hit the lottery. I married a Costa Rican tropical girl. And she and I started this business together. We've been together for 22 years. So I just didn't come here. I come. I came here, and now it's a plus one, <laughs> you know, because right. I decided to buy team. Right. And so, as I mentioned before, look at the long shot and the odds of me marrying a girl from a small town in the mountains of Costa Rica. So, as I say before, you might have said this not was pre-planned, but no. When you look it back at my biography when I'm 99 years old, you're going to realize that this thing was natural. It was meant yeah. to be. So I'm accepting it now. I'm taking the Wu Wei approach where there's, there's, there's no resistance. And as long as somebody has got good energy and not messing up my vibe, right. I'm more than happy to incorporate them in my own Richard circle. And, and that's enabled me once again to live a very, very happy life here for the past two decades. That's great. That's real great. I mean, oh, you guys this, would this, love yeah. it here. Cost of living is oh, about I, I, a third. There's ecotourism, yeah. right? You can mm -hmm. go to hot springs and waterfalls and beaches and, you know, zip lining. People love coming here. In fact, there's a half a million expats that have retired here. They are yeah. great for medical tourism, for your teeth, for your body, whatever you need. And so, yeah. as I said before, I, I'm in almost candy land. <laughs> yeah, I, don't like home. Right I am home. <laughs> Yeah, when we were talking earlier, I told you I had visited down there. And I loved it down there. Um, it's just a, it's just a beautiful uh, environment, a beautiful vibe, the people, the culture, the air, the food. It's, 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 it's one of those places that I would definitely go again. Soul Touch, you forgot the two words. Pura Vida. What was that? Pura Vida. Uh, yeah. Vida. Tell, me, tell, tell me about your Pura Vida experience and why pure life in Costa Rica made an impact on you? Well, because growing up, I'm, I'm used to traveling. And I always wanted to go to South America or something like that, but I never wanted to go to an island because everyone goes to an island. So a group of friends, we were looking at places to go and we just chose Costa Rica. Um, the one thing that my poor Vita um when i got down there it's it, it's like a load being lifted off of your shoulders it, like it's like that the air in america is just heavy and i mean physically mentally emotionally cognitively technically all that the air is heavy so when you go down there and and you're the fish out of water but you're still in water you still feel a freeness that you do not feel here. Okay. 
Okay. May I expand on that? A lot of the things that the three of us hold dear in the United States and are held to such high esteem don't matter here. And so I think what you're referring to the poet is your essence, your essence, the man that was here. And and I think that's a beautiful thing that you had mentioned and I agree with you 100%. Yeah, that that is definitely right. Um, You know, the things that we worry about here, is, is virtually non-existent there for us. And, you know, being that you have done this and you've been down there for two decades, yes. um, I, I admire it. Um, you know, it, it, it takes, I don't want to t- say it takes guts, but it takes determination and drive to just know that you're going to succeed in, in that journey. As you said, the long shot, but, you know, if you're confident, it's not so much of a long shot in my opinion. My man, who knows who's going to succeed? But this is right. what I do know. If you're putting me in the ring, Richard's going 15, and you know that. So regardless right. if I get the crap kicked out of me, and I'm not performing up to speed, the one thing I will do is go the distance. Because most people quit 80% in. Most people second guess themselves. But the one thing that I had to do was stay that course. And as I tell you before, there's a lot of resistance you might get. A lot of people might be concerned about it. As I telling you before, I'm not doing anything too crazy. I just moved to another country and started a business. I mean, that's not the <laughs> worst thing in the world to do. Right. But right. here's the right. thing that I think gives my parents peace in regards to my decision. Besides the financial stability, Putting that aside, their son is feeding families. Right. I have the opportunity to feed 150 families a month right. and increase their English skills by because it's their second language. And I take it such, you know, it's such a delicate sort of position where I can expand on their vocabulary. I can right. discuss with them our certain culture that we have yeah. and give them more self-reliance and self-confidence. So eventually I could be the last boss that they ever have. And so when my family hears me speaking this and they hear the passion, how could they not support me when they see what I've accomplished? Very true, very true. Yeah. Definitely, you got some good energy. Oh, you got some really good energy. I really want to meet you. Look what you're bringing out in me, guys. (laughs) (laughs) This is your show. It's not Richard's show. No, I'm I'm just sitting back as a spectator right now, honestly. This... (laughs) Okay, okay, let me stay focused. Okay, so what was the motivating factor for you to start your business? That I didn't have to go back to the States, <laughs> the motivating factor. <laughs> I, I knew my potential, and I knew what I could earn in an hour. And I realized that working at the call center at my friend's center for four years, mm-hmm. I learned the business from the inside out. I didn't do C-level contracts and finances. But in the course of four years, I learned retention, customer support, sales, onboarding, human resources, uh, even affiliate management for search engine optimization. So while sitting with the people, with the proletariat, being a guest in their country and amongst the Costa Rican Ticos, I was able to see the ups and the downs and the gripes and the good times. And for me, being a business owner, it was very easy for me to extend empathy and compassion for these agents 
because I was there. I just don't write checks. I can get on the phone anytime, any place, and not only do their job, but I could school them. You know, I could do it. And so it's not what I'm there to do. What I'm there to do once again is to guide them and to motivate them. And and the first day of of class, for an example, gentlemen, I I have a gamification culture here. You see my 1961 Ricola Regis behind me in in the candy machine, and that's my private stash. That's not out on the floor, that's in my office. But downstairs, I go treasure hunting. So I've collected retro pinball machines and, and arcade machines and air hockey tables. And so during the day, my agents can meet people from other departments. They can let off steam, they can recharge batteries, or, or they can hang out with El Jefe in a neutral environment. And so I've seen people make friends and it reduces attrition. But what I do is on a day of training, instead of class starting at 7 a.m., gentlemen, it starts at 7.30. Why? The best class in school, you know, is recess. That's where we're starting, like dessert <laughs> for dinner. And so before class even begins, right. these 15 agents are having fun together, meeting the supervisor, knowing me. So when we go into class, instead of just absorbing, they're confident enough to start contributing. I'm going to say it a second time, old school. That's how we go. I know your name. I give you your dignity. I'll put you on a level playing field and give you your structure and your discipline. And the first thing I'll let you know is that learning a second language, gentlemen, is 10 times harder than what they're about to do. So you got to put this into perspective. What are you afraid of? You're doing a great job. Don't be afraid of me. You're not breaking the law. Why are you afraid of a cop? If you're judging me on what happened on your last job with your last boss, that's not right. I'm not judging you on Joey that wasn't making his phone calls yesterday. You get a clean slate just like me. And all I want to do is delegate responsibility so I can find ways to promote you internally. And that's how I have my stability. That's how I have people with me for over 10 years. And so you want to know the the secret sauce to running a company, the financial tip or trick or the cracked CEO code? That's nonsense. You just give someone dignity and you show compassion and you break bread with them and you dress for them in case their mother shows up to pick them up. You can let them know how great their kid is. And if you do those things, you will be embraced. And so that's the sort of advice I could give to somebody that would like to start a company or, or has people that work with them. Wow. Man, yeah, we're chilling, oh, right? <laughs> I'm trying to stay focused here, but I'm, I'm learning at the same time. You, you really have a, a way about you that makes people feel comfortable. Again, this is our first time, you know, meeting and talking, but mm-hmm. I can definitely tell you carry that about yourself. But we, I'm sure you heard this terminology, you have an old soul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a pure soul because I can look at myself in the mirror and I can be proud of myself. Right. And I haven't compromised my ethics or values. In fact, gentlemen, as much as I'd like to be 5,000 seats, I'm only 150. I turn down more campaigns than I accept. And why do I do this? As much as I think and I know that I can fulfill my client's needs, It's really about fulfilling more the agent's needs. Soul Toucher, you've been here. 
you know that this is a very strict Catholic country and it's imperative for me that the agents can go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. They have options here and I'm not going to force a fit. And right. so I want to follow the labor laws and I want to follow their ethics codes. And so once again, we're very selective of what comes in here just to ensure that I can fulfill those needs. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, a lot of companies nowadays, they, I think they're starting to see the results of not treating people, you know, in the best light. Because again, I was just next door going to a, a famous restaurant and they were starving for help. Um, they were having uh, technical problems with their computer systems. The mm -hmm. manager, I saw him, but it's kind of like he was trying to fulfill every role. So I, I think that again, now we're coming to a place in time and space where these companies and corporations are starting to see, hey, we have to start treating people with dignity and pride and treating them as assets instead of, you know, someone or name or number, as they say. You're correct. So, so let, let me share something with you. The fact that I am a CEO of a company means that I have leverage. I could hire or fire you. I could make or break you. I choose the former because as you say, you judge somebody's true character by how they treat people during good and bad times. Right. And so for me, my ego is fine. I don't need to insult somebody on the floor or to make them feel bad or to quit. In fact, I have something interesting to share with you that most people leave me, uh, Sansol, through natural attrition, not forced attrition. Where am mm -hmm. I going with this? Amazon call center is here. So I compete against their 10,000 agents. And so people will leave me, unfortunately, for a better schedule because of their school. Maybe their job is closer to their home. They have multiple locations. Their boyfriend or girlfriend could be working there. I got you. But this is what happens where I'm more disappointed than I am angry. Where if someone is with me and they start strong and we build something together, it's okay if you leave and you go on to greener pastures or I've done my job by improving your skills. Right. But if somebody just pieces out and doesn't even give a two weeks notice, that's a shame. You can come to me, look in my eyes and shake my hand and say, Richard, we had a wonderful run. And I respect that. And so maybe I've seen in this generation, they're the bells and the whistles and who you want to hire. But when they leave, you're very surprised because right. it wasn't really the sort of things that they wrote on their resume about being responsible, forthright. Uh-huh. So I accept the fact that there's opportunities there, but I gave you an opportunity as you gave me yours. And I would expect at least prior to leaving that we could finish our time together, not our relationship, but our working time together in a more professional, ethical way. And so that, that's the only thing that I could suggest with people if they're planning on moving forward. Just show your appreciation for those that helped you along the way. Just don't, just don't leave. That's yeah. not a cool move to do. Yeah, that's no, a good point to make. And, uh, and I feel like that's a, a quality, especially in America, that has been degraded over time, especially with, you know, just, I, I guess, the social media mentality and the maturity level of just people in general um it's just a, a me 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 mentality and not a we build 
together and grow together. Each person can make that decision. They can choose right. to dress that day, show up on time, be kind to others. I'm not forcing their hand. Right. And as I say before, I respect the fact that they have options. But right. yeah. you know, once again, I mean, they should really look at themselves. Why can't you look me in the eye and say goodbye? Is there something on your yeah. end? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and so that's, exactly. that's cool. I've made peace with that. If mm -hmm. I can. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing about it is, is I think people from our era, we were taught differently. Like still to this day, if I was to move on from my current career, I would give that two week notice and work out that two week notice simply because I gave my word. You know, it's, it's one of those things It's not so much about your boss or the company you're working for is you as an individual, you know, you want to be as truthful as you can and keep your word. I mean, to me, keeping your word is still worth having as an individual, but we live in a whole nother world nowadays. And I, I understand that. Well, soul touch is something positive does come out of that. I call my client immediately because once again, this is an agent that was supporting a client of mine. He's not there right. now. So I'm short one seat. So I'll call my client and there's no surprises. And if I let them know what's happening, but also add a suggestion, don't kid yourself. They don't end the account. What that does is if we're able to work through a situation together and we can do it a certain way, you know that only solidifies even more the sort of working relationship I have with my client because they realize I'm a straight shooter and I'm doing everything right. in real time. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the bigger thing, building those, those relationships that, you know, you can always um, not, not fall back on, but you can always build stronger and, 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 and even grow in, in a lot of cases. Well, let's just say you make a mistake in the bar. I'm going to clean your spill and pay for the bill and get you out of there so we don't get beat up. There's a lot of these times, <laughs> as I say before, you have somebody's back. And I, you don't know these kids. Sometimes they come in, sometimes they go, who knows? But they know me. And at least right. I'm accountable for what's happening. And, and that's why I've been able to have these long-term clients. Sure. Right. So yeah. let me ask you this question. Um, how hard was it for you to start your business in Costa Rica? Because we know that there are different challenges here in America, especially from whatever background you're from or whatever, you know, hurdles that you have to overcome or whatever case may be. What was that like for you? Excellent question. And I can go over it on a couple of different points. Legally, I just had to learn the labor laws. And that's why I hired a human resources department. But working at my friend's call center, I understood the business. So it's better that I learned to be the mechanic than the engineer, right? So at least I know how this thing works. And so when I started my call center, and this is different from other jobs and ramping up. So just follow along my progression. I did it where my grandparents taught me that if you can't pay for something in cash, you just don't do it. And so I never took a loan out, a mortgage, had a partner or paid interest. And so I started by putting up a website in October of 2007. February 6, 2008, I closed my first deal for 50 hours. Now I didn't have an office. I was working out of my home. 
So mm -hmm. I rented more of a glorified internet cafe. It was a blended center, an open floor okay. plan, but had a turnkey station, which meant headset, computer, uh, IT support, security, lights were on, coffee in the, in the kitchen. Great. I paid a couple hundred dollars a month just for a turnkey station. And what I charged my client initially enabled me to pay for that station, pay for the agent, and make a margin. And I did that for about two years. And once you get to about three or four dozen agents, it doesn't make sense financially to be paying that per seat rate. So I was able to save enough money to then rent a, 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 a space out for 150 seats, buy the equipment, which was used because a lot of companies were going out of business and some things were still in their boxes. So they were never touched, used anew, if you think about it. Right. And so I could do 150 seats, server room, and build out this center. I rented that space for six years. But mind hmm. you this, in 2010, I did a mistake. I put the majority of my eggs in one basket, and I lost a very large account. So I went from 89 seats down to four, filled it back up again. But you're saying, what happened, Richard? What happened, Richard, was I saved enough acorns for the winter. I had enough money to weather the storm, or I didn't miss a beat. And so I was able to build my company back up, then purchase a three-floor building where I can put 300 seats where I'm currently located. And so if I may say, slow and steady, save your money, take your time. I could have started out flashing. I could have taken a loan out and tried to build quicker. But when I lost those accounts and the times were difficult, imagine me not being able to sleep at night or hypothetically losing account and being concerned that you can't pay the lights. That's right. something very important for a business owner because it's not just me. Once again, I'm feeding families and I have to give them that sort of responsibility and commitment. And so it's not as flashy as you might think it is, is really more the tortoise compared to the hare. But I really, really did this slow and steady and I saved a lot of money and I did it in a certain way, in a frugal way, where I was able to be able to afford to build this business. So when you left um, from working with your, your former friend and the former company, um, what advice did he give you? Or did he help you out, you know, any kind of way as far as like what steps to avoid in order to be a successful business? Well, here's the skinny. He really didn't give too much advice because he was very sorry that I was leaving. I was this top guy. I mean, come on, I was putting up threes left and right. Why would you want me to go? And so you, you mentioned in my, you know, my bio that I trained over 5,000 agents for his center, combined 10,000 with all of my years here. So I onboarded and trained 5,000 agents at my friend's center over the course of four years. And so I gave them a dose of filling. And then they gained my, they improved my skills. But no, the, the, the real advice, and I see this friend of mine all the time in Costa Rica, and the first thing I say is, what's up, boss? Come on, man, you know you're my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're still my last boss I ever had. Um, and I can't thank that individual enough. And whoever's around at his table, when I see him with his friends, I go, this guy got me to where I am today, gave me the experience, brought me down at 27, let me learn everything in the company, can I buy you your dinner? <laughs> you know, it's like, what more can I do for you? And right. he's like, Richard, I don't know what to say, but, but thank you for 
telling me these things about me because most people say, I hate you, you're the boss and I, I'm supposed to be afraid of you. But you, you showering me with praise. And so it really wasn't advice. He goes, dude, you are where you need to be. Obviously you excelled in this environment where most people quit and burn out. So why don't you take this momentum and start your company and made suggestions on once again, where I could be renting space and labor laws and stuff. And then he's not going to be my consultant. I had to take it from there. Right. And that's when you have to put your big boy pants on and realize that this is very serious. It's not that you could get sued or get in trouble. I'm saying before you're mm -hmm. talking about multi-generational families here. And somebody that works with me literally could be paying for his grandmother's medicine. And so I hold that stuff sacred. I believe in ripple effects. I believe in butterfly effects. I believe in success is built on 1 million thank yous. And so the only way for me to get here today is from all the wind that was put in my sails. And um, I wasn't afraid to start the business because I'm renting you know, seats. And right. if worst comes to worst, I had a half decent run. Little did I know that remember the game of life where you started in the tent and then you ended up in the mansion and stuff. I just kept seeing, just kept adding on to where I was going. I was doubling. I doubled down on my university studies. I tripled down coming to Costa Rica. How many times are we going to keep repeating this bet? It's almost like an 18 far leg <laughs> thing just kept hitting. Right. What do you want me to do? I'm a lucky guy. I'm not going to stop and I'm definitely not going home. This is working. So we might as well keep the run going. And, and gentlemen, it just hasn't stopped. I mean, <laughs> I'm almost 50 years old and I'm having this great time in life. And so I, I just want to keep this relentlessly positive feeling, energy and giving going. That's, that's so important for me. So yeah, I wanted to ask, um, when you had that loss and you know, you did set yourself up so you know you put those acorns away um what were the biggest challenges what were your yeah what were your biggest challenges and and how long did it take for you to actually recover i got three words for you there one trick pony <laughs> no? am, am, am i just one of those you know where are they now singles that they just put out a one-hit wonder uh, Maybe that was the test to see if lightning could strike twice okay. or if I just got lucky. It's sweeter now. I wish it didn't happen, but it did. But the fact that it did occur definitely put things in perspective. I was very proud that I saved that money and I could weather the storm, but I never second guessed myself. Mm -hmm. If anything and nothing, and let's say I never got another account again. I would have still looked in the mirror and said, good for you, man. Good for you. Right. Oh, but I got something else to say. When I went from 89 to four seats, there were four people that were with me. And I spoke to them, each one individually, because they go, what's going on right now? And I said, this is what's happening. I was forthright. I lost the main account. But your accounts are fine. But I'm going to make a commitment to you. As long as you stay with me, I will continue to work on this company. Judge me on what happened prior because where I'm going to be going. Just don't judge me on today. You walked in here. You saw this place packed. You see how hard I work. Stick with me. See where we go. 
And two out of those four individuals are still with me today. One of them is my chief technical officer, and the other one is my floor manager. So go figure. And so, of course, they are five-star generals. Of course, they're going to be raising the ranks with me. They saw me when I was most vulnerable, and they could have quit and gone to Amazon and put me to zero. But I didn't. The lowest I went was four and then ramped back up again. And so imagine the respect that I have for them to not selling me out, rolling on me and making me go to zero, zero. They didn't do it. I never touched ground. And I respect them for that because the run never ended. And that could have set me back, you know, mentally a little bit or got me off my groove. Right. It didn't. There was still a little bit of light in that Scooby-Doo tunnel. You know, see, there's still something there to get us out of this thing. We're not done yet. And as long as you have a little bit of spark, you can build your fire. And I was willing to take that. And, and I tell them that all the time. I respected them for what they did during those years. Right. And so those are the positive winning stories that I could share in regards to the people that stuck with me and still believed in me. So let me ask you this thing. Um, the start of your day to like the end of your day, what does that consist of? Oh, that's real easy. I'm up every day at 530 and I go to my home gym. Half an hour cardio, 45 minutes weight, 15 minutes the heavy bag, and 15 minutes core training. Absolutely. Then I go in the kitchen and put down a huge breakfast because look at me now. I'm going to have to eat two dinners to get this energy pack after this podcast. (laughs) And we're not done yet. So then I'm driving to work in my convertible, listening to my 80s music, getting into my groove, right? Right. And then when I show up at the office, I go by every department from security to IT to human resources and just check in. I walk the roads to make sure everyone's doing fine. And then I get my coffee and start my day. But that's pretty much what I do on a daily basis, just to get myself hyped and ready to go to come to the office. I hear that. So let me ask you this question now. Um, The four key elements central to business acumen are planning, operations, finance, and strategy. Uh, Talk to us about how you apply those when starting your business. Well, let's go over each one. The first one you said was operational. Planning. Uh, And the planning. Well, well, naturally, if things were done prior to you, you could see the good and the bad. And so by working at my friend's call center, he pretty much did the planning for me. So I could Mm -hmm. understand the structure and the hierarchy. I just didn't understand the contracts or the finances yet, but we learned that in time. But once again, I can only do so much, especially if I want to expand and scale. So it's very important for me to delegate and to promote from within. So that's the only way I can build on this sort of stability. Now, naturally, there's some control factors there, and I oversee what they're doing. And since English is my first language, I'm always making suggestions in regards to the communication with the client and with the agents. And so I do that as well. Another one you mentioned was financial. Is that correct? Uh, The next one was operations. Okay. Well, with operations, a lot of the times the clients will give me their operations. All I'm doing is just filling seats. They will give me their training manual, their CRM, their phone system. They've already done it. So it's more of like a plug and play. 
All I try to do is see, once again, if we can fulfill their needs and what sort of resources and infrastructure I have on my end to add to what they're doing there so it could work. It, it'd be very foolish of me to try to start something from scratch when they have something already working. I just right. want to see ways in which I can enhance it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What okay, was the so last now one? Next, one, next one was finance. Well, finance for me, first you got to look at the margins just to make sure that A, you're making money. And what I like to do is to see ways I could save money. And so by building my own building, I'm saving a fortune. The right. second thing is not myself, but having individuals here that are home court advantage that could represent me to negotiate furniture, equipment, or other resources I need. Not saying they do, but look at me there's a very good chance they're going to charge an extra 20% on the bill. And yeah. so what I like to do is, I know. And so, and I'm not even getting extra cheese. I'm getting the same old burger. Oh, and so what I want to make sure that I have the right contacts here, my attorneys, my accountants, and my buyers to be able to save me the most in taxes, to be able to get me the best stuff here. And to make sure that once again, that we're very fluid and we have resources. But I think right. finance is the most important thing. Soul touches to pay your agents on payroll on time and to mm -hmm. follow the labor laws so you can pay all of the taxes and benefits that they have. Because if you don't have that sort of money, you're not a good business owner. That's the sort of commitment that you're giving to the people that work with you. And so in regards to that, I take that sort of financial responsibility very seriously. Okay. And now the last one was strategy. Well, strategy. Um, in regards to marketing, what I like to do is to have people put their checkbooks away. I'm not selling any sort of book or seminar. In fact, from an educated point of view, people decide to work with me. So a lot of the marketing material that I have out there, it's podcasts or articles that I've written or any sort of contributions that I have so people can read about me and understand this business prior to contacting me. So we could always be in momentum, almost like passing a baton. Now, strategically, internally, I had mentioned that earlier in regards to the empathy the open door policy, breaking bread, the gamification. I have a call center structure, but I do it with some special sauce. You were yeah. mentioning uh, Soul Touch about certain environments where people want to quit, they're burning out, they're not happy. Well, everybody's got to earn a living, but I'm not going to do it under duress. I'm going to bend you, I'm not going to break you. And mind you, working in a call center with customer support and telemarketing is very demanding. It can be monotonous. And, and clients can yell at you and curse you out. But then again, my friend, if you're very good at this, it pays more than most vocations. We have people here, Soul Touch, that is actually earning more money than doctors and attorneys. So I have oh, wow. extremely Jeez. qualified individuals that are working here. Wow. Yeah, that's very impressive. Very good. So, well, <laughs> I really do. do. Oh, sorry, go ahead. As you were um, saying, do you or have you faced any uh, significant challenges that deterred you? And have you faced some that motivated you uh, to go the extra mile? 
Absolutely. And you're going to find this uh, so and so very, very respectful. Now, naturally, I speak Spanish. They speak English, but their native tongue, my native tongue. So let's say there's a situation where it gets escalated out of the normal, right? right? I will allow and I expect the Asian to express themselves in their native tongue to get it out. But I might misinterpret something. So I then accept, ask them to then speak about it in English as well, as I will then respond to them in my native tongue to make sure I'm 100% clear but also do it in Spanish to ensure that I am consistent in regards to my message. And so in the beginning, as much as I wanted to do some Philly motivation and think that maybe you and I could have done in a work environment where we could be speaking with each other differently in regards to tone, vocabulary, or just goofing around, it, it might be offensive here. And even though I'm the boss, it just might not be the appropriate way to discuss it. So I had to learn, Soul Toucher being a, a guest here, that A, I need to once again respect their feelings in their native tongue, but then again have to have them explain it in English as well to make sure they're consistent and that I can back up and double their end and my end that situation. Now, if it's really bad, and it's mm -hmm. a super code red, I'll bring in my floor manager to speak for me, just to make sure in their home, you know, court advantage, their language, their expressions, that I could be properly represented. And, and that's probably the largest challenge I've had here in regards to in those sort of very unique and specific escalated situations when people are emotional, to take three steps back, to really calm down and to give you two plates of food. So you can at least, you know, you realize that we're overlapping and I'm not gonna miss a beat. Right. So let me ask you this, and this is kind of a personal question, right? Um, sure. You mentioned that your wife is from, you know, the country that you're in right now. Uh -huh. How big of a role did she uh, play as far as helping you because I'm sure it, it, it came in very handy to have someone there, you know, that knows the culture, that knows the ins and outs of, you know, how things work. She had the most amazing job prior to working with me. There's a company called Cafe Brit in Costa Rica, the number one exporter of coffee. They also have this huge store in the airport where they sell amazing jewelry. My wife worked there for years at the airport as the top jewelry saleswoman. So she was mm -hmm. doing very well and very satisfied with her job. So when I started this company, once again, I was renting seats and I was handling everything from the accounting to the contracts. And then it started growing so fast that I was way over my head. And she said, <laughs> I think it's time for me to join you and to assist you as the legal representative of the company with the Costa Rican government the fact that she could speak the native tongue and to be able to onboard and explain things to people. And also there's nothing better than working with a partner. Now I might be the owner of the company, but my wife, Grace Burbone, she's the boss and she does a fantastic <laughs> job. And you know, son, so there is absolutely no way that I would be as successful or even here today if it wasn't for her contributions. And, and you're talking about a 
country where it's machismo, right? Or, you know, the guys are supposed to be in charge and doing their thing. Well, in my company, quite the contrary. Not only is there a woman that is an owner of this company, but I judge everybody on merit. Boy, girl, young and old, I do not care. Right. And the majority of my supervisors and leaders are women and they earned it from merit. And so maybe we're taking away some of the stereotypes and predispositions people have in regards to a husband and wife working together, a woman in a certain position. Well, you're very wrong. These individuals, any individual has the ability to be their best. And I only want the strongest. You could be with me for one day, but if you show up on time, front row center, take notes and you're the man, I will do everything in my power to promote you. And so, you know, with my wife, she's bilingual. And so imagine Philly and Costa Rica combined. So every day we're sharing something new. And since I'm in Costa Rica, and this is the one thing that without sounding sappy, this is what really made me fall in love with her. When we were dating initially and we would go to the countryside and take trips, mm -hmm. she would point out all of the flowers. She would explain to me the plants and the medicines behind it and the significance behind it. She knew her country inside and out, but she did it through the ecotourism. So instead of telling you which bar to go to and where to go hang out, this young lady was explaining to me every waterfall, every flower, every plant, every butterfly, every fruit, and was just showing me this new world. And I, and I couldn't get enough of it. And wow. so by once again, taking the time to assist me in learning this culture really only made my experience better. And, and imagine those sort of dates where instead of having too much in common where you're bored, we didn't have enough time to talk about things. I, my favorite is I'm the first time she ever played pinball or Pac-Man. She never saw a Humphrey Bogart movie before. You know, wow. she did a lot of the things that she never drove in a convertible. So a lot of the stuff I did is a first. She mm -hmm. never had a cheesesteak before. She's like, Provola, you got to put whiz on it. Come on, honey. We're not getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are the sort um, of things where I have to, I have to put down the law, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. But it's, you know, it, it's been wonderful. And the fact that we can converse in two languages is a lot of fun as well. And so it's it's never boring. It's always enriching. And and we built this together. Imagine two cultures coming together. Obviously, there was that sort of attraction and respect. Right. 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 So what is the mission, you know, the mission or the vision of, of Costa Rica Call Center? Not only to the feed families but when individuals are here, I want them to grow, not just with my company, spiritually, because if they can recharge their batteries here at Sun Soul X and, and be able to go outside of the office and confront any challenges they have, right? Then I've done my job because I know that people come in here with these pressures and responsibilities and I don't want them to break. And so, as much as they're recharging my batteries, I'm doing the same for them. So I guess my long-term mission is to prove everybody wrong in regards to an empathetic gamification boss. But 
I guess the real mission, once again, it's not financial, it's spiritual. And the more agents that will know my name, that will gravitate towards me, that will contribute, then I guess it's a collective mission. But on a, on a personal front, I mean, I, I would like to spend more time so I could maybe write some children's books. I would like to practice more the violin. So instead of in trying to impress my wife, I'm more depressing her. And so I have some more personal missions, gentlemen, that I'd like to spend some more time on when I'm capable of stepping away more from the call center. And, and I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Mm. I hope it doesn't happen for a very long time. But I, I, I'm just very appreciative on a daily basis. I, I don't necessarily do a prayer, but when I leave my call center at the end of the day, I will put my head down and I'll say, thank you for another day. And you know where I'm going with that, with whoever's uh, area of, you know, of spirituality. And so right. I, I, I just, once again, make that sort of mental and physical and spiritual connection every day for the past 14 years and if it were my last day then carpe diem then i seized my day and i dressed for it and i spent time with my friends and i had a good one and so stop being anxious about tomorrow and and, and you got you can't be depressed about the past you really have to live in the now and you have to enjoy your balance and in your moment and and i am and that's why you're seeing the best of me right now, because I'm fully focused on what we're doing and I'm, I'm receiving your energy 3000 miles away. And I'm really having one of the best times I can after a full day of work. I've been here since 7 a.m. Look at me now. You don't think I can do another three hours right now? Of course I can. I'm ready to go. And that's what you guys are bringing out in me. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. Um, Boy, you mesmerizing me right now. Come on, so and so, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I had a question. Um, yes, sir. So, uh, okay. So, my question to you is: yeah, I, the, I, the strategy, as far as like um, the structure of your company. Yes, I, I can tell you're you're one of those people who give off a whole lot of energy through the day. Yes. So. With the structure of your company, how do you keep your team focused and motivated? Well, this doesn't sound like fun, but it is. I have a quality assurance and quality control department where we listen to your calls. I have supervisors that look at the call queue to see if you're in ready status or if calls are coming in. It's not micromanagement. It's coaching. I mean, uh, Soul Toucher, your, your son is there competing today in athletics, obviously as a coach, and obviously he has been coached. I'm just not right. doing things with running and jumping and throwing. What I am doing is phonetics and speaking. And so when they're making these phone calls, what we do, gentlemen, is we grade them on KPIs, which are key performance indicators, ways to qualify call in order to make sure that they're doing their job. But... Besides listening to the questions that they need to ask the client to qualify and convert a call, I pay much, much more attention to their soft skills. What do you mean? Well, if you're speaking to a gatekeeper or an assistant prior to being transferred to a decision maker, my suggestion is to give a positive escalation. 
you know, let Sun Soul know how great Soul Toucher was before transferring me the call. So I can give the gift, I can add the momentum, and also there's some anonymity there where instead of introducing myself, I'm talking about how great you are prior to that. I also believe to keep their motivation is to have them do active listening. And so I have a technique that people use on the phone. It's called the buffer boomerang technique. You like this? So let's say you're on the phone with somebody and the first question they say is, what is your name? And they say it in a mean way. I go, hey, soul toucher. That's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. I name drop you. I buffer it because you're being negative. I tell you, it's a great question to calm you down. I repeat the question to show active listening and I'll throw it right back at you in a positive Richard. And so that's what they're <laughs> doing as well for active listening. Also, wow. what they like to do is when they're mentioning options to a client, at the end, they'll say to them, hey, Sunso, I'm sure you like at least one, <laughs> you know, not saying you like them all, but what I do is take a horizontal into a vertical and then I start stacking open-ended questions. So you tell me more what you like, right? And then there's something else that we do on the phone. You guys are going to love this. Mm -hmm. It's called phonetic micro expression reading. You two are expert speakers, right? And also you judge body language with people. But mind you this, gentlemen, when you're on the phone here, it's non-visual. So we're losing three of our senses, your taste, touch, and smell which means your active listening should be expanded. But then people say that you're not able to see the people. I say quite the contrary. You know, books are better than movies. You have image streaming. You can use adjectives and descriptions on the phone. And so what I try to do is, and follow me here, gentlemen, I can walk you through the phonetic microexpression reading. These are tell signs. Not to say that people are lying to you, just that they might need to clarify something for you right phonetics is broken down into four sections gentlemen you have your tone your rate your pitch and your duration in my opinion and my suggestion i encourage the agents to have a consistent tone of empathy and confidence but then you're saying richard you're supposed to match how people speak well let's slow down for a second if someone's negative i don't want to match them i always want to be confident and empathetic like a doctor an attorney and a caring parent but this is where we use the manipulation technique in order to understand the client that you're speaking with for the first time or a friend or anybody. Mm -hmm. I judge on speed and on speaking level. Now, I judge this on 30-second to two-minute intervals, which is the average attention span. In my opinion, every conversation has an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. So you just have to take that into consideration. So in the body of the phone call, after doing the positive escalation from soul toucha to sun soul, now you like me and I complimented someone that works with you. I'm speaking with you. I already stacked you a couple of times because I found out one thing that you like, but I still don't know you very well. If you happen to change your rate or your pitch, these are the times, gentlemen, when you ask a tie down question or a confirmation question. For an example, sounds good, right? Sun soul or makes sense, doesn't it? You know, soul toucher. And so these are the certain things that you would be asking people. Or how about this? Let's say there's a barking dog in the background. 
you know, that could ruin a call or ruin communication. So what I like to do is inadvertently and passive aggressively use the me too technique. I'm going to say, hey, Sunsoul, I love dogs because this dog's barking. I can't hear you. And then I, I'd say, what's your dog's name? That's what you do. You ask a follow-up question and then you say Fluffy. Well, that's great. Fluffy sounds amazing. Hint, hint, put him outside. So you put him outside, <laughs> come back to the call. Instead right. of me trying to close you and get an appointment, no, no, no. I'm going to anchor you. What do you mean? I'm going to talk to you for a couple of minutes about your dog. And that's usually the time, you know, Sun Soul, when you're going to say to me, excuse me, what is your name again? Yes, yeah, Sun Soul, I'm so glad that you asked. Buffer Boomerang. My name is Richard Blank. And then you're name dropping me for the rest of the call. And so that we get to the conclusion of a conversation with somebody, I'm going to recap and rake what we already spoke about. Hey, Sun Soul, you did say you liked A. Remember we spoke about B, C, and D. Oh, oh, Richard, I like D. Excellent. So we'll stack D again. I'm going to confirm any information you have in a military alphabet. Why? Because maybe you know somebody that served. And instead of ending the call, now we're talking about people that served in the military and how proud we are of that. But I'm still not done. When I'm finished the call or the conversation with you, I'm going to send you a letter and not only want to do business with you, but I'm going to talk about how effective Soul Toucher was to transfer the call to you, Sun Soul. So I'm giving him a positive written escalation. So when I call you back and want to speak to the king and I, right, and Soul mm -hmm. Tucker answers the phone, he's going to say, Richard, in 10 years, you're the only one that wrote something about me to my business partner. Thank you. So gentlemen, this is just the Richard circle that I do. So you're asking me, how do I keep these people motivated? By being engaged in active listening on these calls and doing as many positive escalations as you can and as many buffer boomerangs as you can. I'm not just saying, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Right. You'll get your numbers, but you'll never be an ace. Hey, Sun Soul, check this out. You'll love this. When people do jobs like this, they're too well rehearsed. They're too commercialized. They're a print. They're not a painting. They're not unique. They're not raw. They're a character. They're not in character. So I need for them to get raw on every call. Right. Are we bonding over the dog? Is it over music or soul touches son that was competing and winning today? I don't know, but this is what I do know. Put your checkbook away. I'm not selling a damn thing. What I want to know is a time you and I can connect. I can put the, the selling away. And we can talk for real for a minute. But Richard, they need to make 100 calls a day. I'm the boss. There's no way you're making 100 a day. You're making 90 calls a day because Sun Soul is going to be on the phone with me for another five minutes connecting with me. Stop with how many calls you make. I want to talk about the conversions you make. And if it takes you being an artist to take a few minutes, I'm proud of you. You rush that call. I'm disappointed in you. So when I'm listening to these quality assurance phone calls and I'm grading you on asking qualifying questions, no, man, I'm waiting for you to talk about Fluffy. And I'm waiting for Sun Soul to say my name three times. And that's where I give you 100% on your grades. That's how I keep them motivated and focused during the day. Wow.
that that was um, a lot of information that is helpful ooh, and useful. I told you they who, better have their pens ready. Yeah. You did say that in the beginning of the show. You did say that. <laughs> Yo, guys, I'm giving you my best of best of you guys are got the pass for the secret sauce. So if there's any <laughs> other advanced telemarketing or, or, or skill. Oh, let, may I share something else with you, gentlemen? Sure, go ahead. Today, sure, people are yeah, doing yeah. things that are non-voice. And so I'm mentioning before, make these emails and voicemails custom made. Take an extra couple seconds just to find out something about them before you leave the message. And I'm telling you, your rate of return will be much better there too. Wow. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I, I love the way that you explain that. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, telemarketing and stuff like that and sales. It, this, this, that point, those points that you made are transferable all over, you know, several different, you know, fields of, of work and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's conflict management. Right. That's what right. we're doing is controlling any sort of adjustments there. Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely. So uh, what are your prime services or customer base? We're half and half. We do both inbound support with back office, non-voice and customer support. And the other half of my agents do outbound sales, appointment setting and lead generation. Now, some of the verticals that I work with, I work with movies and music, I work with law firms and industrial real estate, I do transportation, travel, and as I mentioned before, we're selective of the campaigns that come in here, and I just want to make sure that, once again, I'm able to fulfill the agent's needs, and I will not take campaigns where let's say it's Chinese for an example, not like I don't want to take it, but if mm -hmm. I can't speak the language and if it's something that's too complex, I don't want to take it. Cause if I can't do it, I don't want to do it. And how about this? A lot of the times by default, I might not get an account because they might want me to be a graveyard 24 hour shift. We don't do that here. Um, once again, the language capacities. And then the third thing, I'm just not going to match the price of offshore call centers in India and the Philippines, not saying they're not caliber, but I can't match their price. And so I was just hoping that some people might judge it's more on merit in regards to price. But I tell you what, if I'm on a level playing field and I can get better caliber agents, maybe I can do 50% more an hour and be able to offset that cost that you're doing and earn the seats. Right. So just to expand on that a little bit more, um, for example, let's say that uh, you have a client um, that you're looking at all the logistics to, you know, the situation and, and figuring out, you know, how can I best serve this this client? Yeah. And let's say um, for whatever reason, it's, it's not going to be beneficial for both parties, meaning your company and their company. How do you go about determining, you know, what's the best course of saying simply, I can't uh, fulfill this or I can't do business with this company or, you know, something along that line. I'm the last person to speak at that time. What I do is through deductive reasoning and through my own expertise, give him what he gave me and just tell him what the answer is. Like for an example, 
if somebody only has a list of a thousand names, that is only about a week's worth of work for me in a predictive dialer on a five minute talk time. Legally, I can't call more than three times a day. So I would have to say, excuse me, son, soul, if you're looking for one agent to work 40 hours a week for you, 160 hours a month on a predictive dollar business to business with a five minute talk time, I would need a minimum of 4,000 unique numbers to make those phone calls for you. If not, we would have exhausted your list with by at least a fourth day. So those are the sort of things by not saying that I can't, it's just that um, there are certain things that you might need to adjust on your end in order for me to fulfill your needs. Mm -hmm. And I don't make them cry, but I got to school them a little bit. <laughs> I can milk your list for three months. You got to be kidding me. Uh, yeah. And then okay. I'll say to them, hey, Sunsol, that makes sense, doesn't it, right? Uh, I guess it does make sense. Excellent. What other areas that I can explain for you? Listen, let me put it this way. At the end of the call, and let's just say we're not able to do business by one factor or another. Two right. things happen. I make a friend, and this individual walks away like we're doing tonight with priceless information. Mm. I'm not going to tell them how to compete against me and start a call center. But if somebody takes right. the time to call me, I'll walk through their script. I'll discuss mm. with them onboarding and structure. What, are they going to take this and steal it and go to their center? No, I'm explaining you, dummy, that you don't have enough calls to make. And so, I mean, anybody <laughs> will figure that out after a week. I'm just the only one that told you that, that that's the truth. Uh, right. and, and, and so they'll realize that I'm their third best option. They'll go with the cheapest, the second cheapest, and then they come back to me. And then I said, I told you so. Or sometimes will call me up and say, well, how much do you charge an hour? Well, great. What's your name? <laughs> you know, but the first thing they'll say is $1,000 an hour. And they go, no, you don't. Of course I don't. What's your next question? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Wow. <laughs> Who do you think I, I'm not duck, duck, goose. I mean, this is a serious operation here. If you're going to call me, don't, don't, don't price me. Right. Make that the right. last question. Right. Let me see if I can earn your business first, and then we can discuss on that. All right. True. So when it comes to your business philosophy, um, how, has it changed from when you first started, and how has the pandemic affected it overall? Yes, the philosophy did change. Didn't I mention before about being disappointed more than I am angry? I had this right. utopian kumbaya mindset that every person that comes in here will never leave and I wouldn't have enough space for the thousands. And, and so I guess when people left in the beginning, that was the reality. I lost my innocence on that. I almost took it personal. But then again, I realized once again of these natural attrition factors that are completely out of my control, right? Um, and so that was pretty much that there, but I, I guess a lot of it has to do with the experience. Maybe I was naive in the beginning where it was more of just selling the sizzle and the less experience. Now I got so much experience, I gotta find ways to throw in the sizzle because all I'm doing is giving you know, the experience. I gotta put some fun with it too. And, um, <clears throat> But I guess the, the best part about it is, is that time speaks. I have a luxury of a track record. It's just not me doing a foresight and where I'm going to be. Right. I have 14 years and 22 years here. And so something like that for me is enough to be reassured 
to not be concerned about the future because I've already proven that my energy, my focus, my style is working. But, but here's the best part, ethically, ethically, by following the labor laws here and in the United States. Now, mind you, my company is in the United States. So it's inscribed out in Florida. And so I do follow U.S. business and banking laws. Right. They, in turn, in the United States, my company, will hire my Costa Rican company to follow the Costa Rican labor laws. Okay. And so that's the sort of thing me personally and the way that I was raised, that I can sleep at night and feel good about myself. I'm not looking over my shoulder or wondering if a check is going to be bounced or that the government's going to come inspect me. And they have, and they should. And every time they come here looking for something because other people might have not been following the rules, I give them a drink, let them play some pinball, ask them, you want to stay? Please don't leave. No, no, we're right. No, no, please. Stay. <laughs> my agent. Come on, David, get over here. I, I introduced them to supervisors. While most people are saying, I can't wait for them to leave. Oh, no. W would you like to come back next week? I'm doing a training class. <laughs> yeah, oh, come in. Oh, wow. I love what it. What do I have I to hide? It. Nothing. And so just like if you're prepared for school, <laughs> why are you afraid of a teacher? If you're not breaking the law, why are you afraid of a... Of a, of a police officer. And if I'm doing everything correctly, if I'm feeding families, paying my taxes and being a wonderful representative of the United States and as a business owner, I can't wait for more government officials to come here and to make sure that I check out. So I'm cool with that. And I can live with that. I like that you said that um, because um, I, I know for in our culture, there are a lot of people who have of the a very opposite mentality when they, about that what you just said, and I look at it the same way. Uh, come, I'm not doing anything out of the ordinary. My morality is in check. Uh, my ethics are in check. So, you know, you and and, and I wouldn't it, I wouldn't even look at it as you're in my way. Come on, I mean, you're my guest. Down, stay a while. Yeah. Take oh, your shoes right. off. Let me hang your hat and coat. I mean, yes, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's just one of those things. And I think if if more businesses and more people had the same thought process that you had, I think it would one improve their efficiency mentally and emotionally, and it would also take unneeded stress, manufacture stress off of them. How about this? When I get their business card, I write them a thank you letter for introducing themselves to me today. And from time to time, not saying I'm doing something wrong, but they say, Richard, did you do ABC for the month of May yet? Oh yeah, of course we did. Thank you for reminding me. So what they'll yeah. do is <laughs> they'll remind me of certain dates or, or double checking with me not to catch fault, but they like me now. And they'll personally write me back. And what happens right. as a positive escalation when this individual comes back, they get a hero's welcome again. And when the agency that the government agencies, which they should do and they do do every, every year when they inspect the companies, when they see that we check out, it only reassures them that their boss is doing the right thing again and again. When they show up, I'm downstairs opening the door, get them the drink. Oh yeah, a food prepared. 
it's like a best friend coming over on a Saturday. You want to watch some Scooby Doo? I'll do that too. You know? Whatever you want to do. <laughs> I throw them off because I'm so ingratiated, and I think mm -hmm. that's what they're not expecting. Right. right. So after the couple, after 14 years, we're aces. I, I'm not worried about it anymore. But yes, sir, when you're not doing anything bad, not only should you not be afraid, but you should stand up and go, pick me, pick me. I'm here. Right. Yeah. Who's me? I'm good. There's no watches. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. right. So, what are some of the biggest challenges you face, you know, as far as like your business wise? I guess my, my biggest challenge is just missing my family because it makes me want to go back to the States where I'm not going to be here, uh, you know, working on my business. And so that's kind of the, the push in the pool. But mm -hmm. um, in regards to this industry, you know, once again, it's a very competitive industry. There is attrition and you are expecting these agents and these sort of jobs to produce every day and it's very very demanding check this out if it's in your native tongue it's one thing but the fact that the sure. majority of their work is done in english means that they need to be more attentive and do much more intensive listening and focus and they can really only do that for such periods of time before exhaustion right and so that's why i'm mentioning to them these 30 seconds to two minutes or when people are speaking to take breaths to be able to lower and to reduce so you can find your balance. Because once again, you can't just, if you've never worked at a center before, you're gonna get destroyed in your first week. This is like an athlete building up endurance. And so for me, once again, I don't want them munching down McDonald's. I want them having good lunches. I want them in the game room so they can go upstairs ready to go compared to laggard after a cigarette or Instagram. And so the majority, my business is cool. It's running on autopilot. My main thing are the soldiers that are marching every day. That's the most important thing for my business to make sure that they're good at home, they're good here, and that while they're here, they're getting better. Wow. That's, I mean, just hearing about how you, you have everything structured and the, the type of energy that you bring to uh, the people who work with you. Um, yeah. That's inspiring because I think that, again, you know, just here in the U.S. for some companies, not all companies, they lost that, you know, glimmer about them. I mean, and again, they taking this whole thing about, this is all about money, 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 money. And they forget that, you know, your most valuable asset is your people. They have the chance to do it. They just don't want to do it. And if you think yeah. it's cool to be this EEO fat cat that yells and fires people, you're sadly mistaken. You'll be very alone very fast. Oh, yeah. 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 So what are some of the trends that you've uh, noticed lately in your industry? Work from home. I mean, a lot of the clients liked our brick and mortar, and I'll tell you why. We do have a great infrastructure here and that's cool, but people liked the call center for the internet redundancy for my backup generator electricity and for my on-site IT support in case something goes down, they're on a turnkey station within seconds. Right. And so when people 
from coronavirus, we were only allowed 50% of our staff here. I chose to keep it at 20 just to have a buffer level there. The people that are here are for PCI compliance, which is credit card processing. They have to be here for certain things for security. I have mm -hmm. agents here that don't have the best home environment to work in. It's just because of the electricity or noise and dogs and stuff. Right. And sometimes it's for onboarding new agents where I just don't want to hire someone virtually because then they never get a chance to break bread with me and to learn our culture. And so they have to be here. I'll send them home but they got to at least be here for a little bit so I can meet you, sit with you and work with you and then, and then go home. I've also seen that productivity has not decreased. In fact, sometimes in some instances it's increased because a they're happier being at home, right, saving right. money, saving time, more time with family. But what I have lost is that essence that we had at the center where I could walk the rows, I could, break bread with you. I could be doing live training or not just me. Like if I were sitting next to you two gentlemen, you know, we'd be having lunch every day. You know, when, when soul touches on a good call, you and I are looking at him and high five and going, yeah, you know, and, and so you kind of miss that. A lot of the agents right. have told me they felt isolated. What's mm. a positive I got out of this? Well, by having these zoom calls with people, it enables me to see, What's going on? And so I get to see what's in the background of their homes. I get to see a stuffed bunny rabbit. I get to see posters <laughs> on the wall. And so these are other areas in which I can relate with them. And so I would have never gotten that before unless they decided to disclose and share that with me. Right. But selfishly, I miss that the people are here. And so I wish they were here. But some people live far away and it is better for them to be at their homes. But that's one of the adjustments. And, and also now that we're hiring, a lot of people are demanding only work from home. And that's a deal breaker for me. You can go home, but you have to at least be here a little bit, just right. a touch. Because if not, then th th there's no connection. You're just some random virtual that just that doesn't even know me. And, and to be honest with you, I don't want that. That's not what I'm looking for. Right. Definitely. I, I think that people tend to lose a little bit of focus. Some people, um, if they stay away from their home base a little too long, meaning I, I'm the type I like to, you know, the industry that I'm in, I usually it's very rare that I go to our home office. But when I do go, I enjoy being there because of those um the peoples and those relationships that I have there, it's always a pleasure to see those people because I haven't seen them in a while. That's so right. I just think that sometimes people can lose focus when they stay away from the office too long. But these call center environments are very social. You could have a, a company of 500 accountants and they don't even talk to anybody. And so you have people here that do feed off of this energy. It's true. And so I think that once again, we've reduced some of the leverage that we had in regards to the collective environment that we've all created together. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What else, guys? That's a very good point. So uh, what is your economic plan to empower people and provide financial equality? I want them to increase their skills so they can become converters because I've seen a lot of people that have the potential, but they prefer to have an easier position that they easily qualify for and they'll get customer support. 
Next thing you know, 10 years go by. And so what I'd like to see if somebody has the skills to earn more money, because I have accounts here that do pay commissions and you can earn well. And so I, I just don't want to see any potentially wasted potential there. And, and also I make suggestions that if they are making money, the first suggestion I make is to put it in the bank in a certificado de deposito, a CD. And I explain to them compound interest where you can put a little bit of away each month. Not like I'm, I'm a Rockefeller and giving this financial advice, but my goodness gracious, we all know about savings account and compound interest. And it's amazing how this generation that might make $300 that month, I go, buddy, put a couple away and use that one hundred for some dinners. And then that two, you know, as I was saying, don't you want to retire by 50? Aren't you looking to buy a house and to pay the down payment? This is how you do it by putting some of that money away now. And so I, I try to make those suggestions as well. Why don't you brown bag it instead of going out to McDonald's every day? Why don't you drink my office coffee instead of the Starbucks? My coffee's good, right? It's pretty good. <laughs> and um, I'm not trying to sound like their mother, but I'm trying to make certain suggestions to put away a couple hundred dollars a month in a CD where you can retire. And so I'm just trying to find ways for them to enjoy their lifestyle and have a work-life balance. But once again, in their early 20s, to do the certain things that I did that allowed me to weather storms mm -hmm. well, that's very good advice i i'm definitely over the past few years taking it much more to heart you know as far as like putting away money and actually investing this year i really you know increased my my investing knowledge so i'm, I'm kind of proud of myself on that excellent excellent um so what are you most passionate about as far as like what pertains to your business? You're not going to believe this, but I'm most passionate about my gamification. I love my machines. I love seeing people smile and have fun and relax and let off steam. Because what do you want to compare apples to me with Amazon? I mean, it's impossible to compare my server room to theirs and their floor structure. Mm -hmm. So what can I do? I can go raw. I can go to the basics. I can personally train people and enhance their skills. I can talk about the, the source and their vocabulary. I can play games with them. I can break bread with them. And as I mentioned before, the cracked code of being a CEO in a good company is empathy. And so as much as I want to keep up to speed with the technology and try to stay up with the Joneses, right. I didn't. I built my own place downtown. I'm not in the free trade zones. I'm buying secondhand equipment that's almost brand new compared to being hotshot and just throwing the dollars around. Why? Who are you impressing? And so these are the sort of things that I learned over time to put your ego aside. You guys are expecting me to be driving like a Lambo down here or a Porsche. I drive a 92 Cabriolet convertible. First and foremost, mm. I don't want to rub any sort of success in people's faces. I am in a third world country. Right, and you have right. to understand something that imagine driving a hundred thousand dollar car down here. First, it makes you a target. And second, shame on you. What are you doing? That's number one. And, and, and number two, as I say before, being humble and eating with the people and, and showing the fact that they're just as important as anybody else. I'll give you a great example. So we have anniversaries here. 
people have been with us. And so we'll get a cake and celebrate. And you're expecting just the executives or the supervisors. Absolutely not. Um, we call them criadas, the, the janitors that are here, the, the individuals that assist me. They've been with me for years. And so the people that are keeping this place clean and sanitary and making it shiny and nice, they are eating the same size cake the same piece is their jefe right next to them. Don't give me the biggest. I don't want two scoops. And I'm the one that eats last. Everyone gets served their piece. And we all eat together with synergy as one. And so everybody here is a brick in this foundation. And they're treated with that sort of respect. And so if anything of nothing, gentlemen, those are the sort of traditions that we have here in regards to my business, you know, stability, it really is internal. As much as I can give you these sort of tips and tricks, no, it comes from the people. It's the we. This is how we do this. Wow. Um, in fact, I give those people bigger slices of cake. Give me the smallest slice of cake. Hefe wants the smallest slice when we celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. So um, do you have a strong social media presence or is that something that is even a factor down your way? I'd like to think that I do. But I do have a wonderful Facebook fan page of 97,000 local Costa Ricans there. It is the number one in the country. And so I've opened it up for if anybody wants to see really what the business process outsourcing pulse is in Costa Rica, you will see the contributions they're making from all of my competition and my own company. And so uh, once again, you'll get to see exactly what's happening here. And, and Costa Rica is beautiful. You know, we have a democratic society, you know, as I mentioned before, 95% literacy rate, no standing army, excellent infrastructure. Mm. I'm just a couple hours from you if you want to jump on a direct flight and get here. And so that's one of the many attractive aspects of this country on why people not only move here, travel here, visit here and decide to do business here. And um, this poor Vida mentality that they have is, is really addictive. And when people get it, they understand it and know it, all they want to do is incorporate that in their lives. Lovely. Sheila says she loves your humble spirit. Well, Sheila G. Hill is really cool. And I thank you very much, Sheila. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I might have to take you up on that coming down to Costa Rica real soon. <laughs> well, you know I'm taking you out for all-you-can-eat sushi. So we definitely got to hey, have I'm some fun. I, I am for it. I am for it. Um, so you, you, you spoke a lot about a lot of things um, and you, you talked about your routine in the morning and, you know, how you and your wife spend time together. What other things do you do um, to, to, you know, your downtime in your business? Uh, a lot of it's travel. Once again, if I can escape the city and find myself in a rainforest by a waterfall, or if I'm hanging out in some sort of cabina and there's monkeys and iguanas that are coming into my room to try to steal my fruit. <laughs> That's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> it is. It is. And I'm so far away and lost, no one's going to find me. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, so I'm, I'm really enjoying this free spirit. 
and I love driving around this country in my convertible and just finding a new place to hang out for the day. And it's great having 10 conversations with people that you just met for the first time. And as I mentioned before, gentlemen, and I can't stress it enough, it's, it's not about what I'm bringing to the plate from the United States. I'm coming there in pure essence. I'm mm. just a man. And the first impression I'm giving them is the fact that I've mastered your language and I right. can speak in your language. And so imagine coming, you know, you're, you're already starting off with two points ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sheila says she wants to go to Costa Rica too. <laughs> well, Sheila's invited for the sushi dinner. So you let her know she's cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We, we're going to get that together. We're going to come on right on down there. Heck yeah. So how often do you return home? I, mean, I come back a couple times a year to visit my family. One of my favorite trips, if I may, is I, I go to Philadelphia every five years for my reunions. And mm. just this past year, I was asked to be the National Honor Society keynote speaker. Now, I was not in the honor roll. <laughs> I was not AP. <laughs> but Abington loves me, and I do a second language scholarship every year for them. And so the principal, Angelo Berrios, he and I become very good friends and he knows how much I love Abington. And so I love to pay it forward. So every time I go back and hang out with all my buddies, we go get cheesesteaks and tasty cakes. I go downtown, I hang around Jake in town, you know that from the Goldberg show. I'm a Jake in town boy. And, and I see everybody. And it's just like we were back in high school because I was voted the 1991 class partier because I had traveling parents in an empty house every weekend. And of course I took advantage of parties and I had a wonderful ID mm. back then. So I was getting kegs, but that's another time, another place. So every time right. I go back every five years, you know, you're coming to my keg parties at my house, just like the old days, just I like the, and the hugs wow. and the stories. I love it. And that's where I go so I can go super old school and I go back to my roots. And once again, I'm making the circle to my 18 year old self that grew up on Fairacres Road and had these dreams. And when I'm driving the old neighborhood, I remember what it was like to be a boy and to want to have this adventure. And now I'm back here decades later with that adventure. And so it is incredibly grounding. And one of the best things I can do to share with my friends is that their encouragement, their support is what got me to where I was. And, and so you gentlemen understand that. You know right, that your yeah. best friends were the ones that were with you before your fame and fortune and saw you skin your knee and cry when you fell off the bike. Um, <laughs> those are your best friends. And yeah. And that's why when I mentioned besides my family, I have to go back to Philadelphia to recharge my batteries. That's good. That's real good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you we are you already talked about interpersonal uh communication communication conflict management strategy, uh the phonetic micro expression reading for mastering verbal tell signs and the famous yes, buffer boomerang technique. Yes, um are those three things that you are constantly, um, I guess, presenting to your, your, your staff and, and colleagues to in, increase their awareness of, of, of these things? Sure. And, and once you see it, Soul Toucher, then you can't unsee it. 
And after three weeks of practice, then it becomes habit. Now, the things that I had mentioning with the phonetic microexpression reading, this can be done simultaneously while you're having conversations. You're just being a little more astute and lucid in regards to the positive or negative reinforcements with those with whom you're speaking. And so what I try to do is I, I instill it because when I was on the phone years ago, it seemed monotonous. And so what could I do to enhance this? And that's why I started doing this micro expression reading, XY chart, answering speed, buffer boomerang techniques too. Because if you're there, how can you make it better for you? And so, as I mentioned before, they can't be complacent. You know, I, I don't want them getting moss on their stone. They need to be a rolling stone. And right. if they're not constantly building on these skills, then they're going to start producing bad habits. And that's what I don't want. This is not too advanced for them. I'm sorry, I went to school for this and I mastered this. But if right. it's something that I'm able to share with somebody that will make them more money and outside of the office, being able to have conflict management, being able to diffuse situations or doing more of listening. So I know what you know, and then I can adjust and cut the fat of my argument back at you. Maybe mm. this could reduce any sort of family squabbles. Maybe this could save a marriage. Or maybe if somebody being facetious with you or potentially lying with you, you could ask them to clarify for you, which is diplomatic and strategic, and you're almost calling them out on it. And so it's very important for me not just to gauge their speaking patterns, but really to stay focused on their answering speed. Because that's the one thing you really can't manipulate, gentlemen. Mm. You can control your tone, rate, and pitch. But subconsciously, you can't be consistent in your answering speed. That's, that's why the police always ask the tough fifth question. Because all of a sudden, it trips you up a little bit. And so with my expression reading, that's more of my insurance policy to see if they're consistent in regards mm -hmm. to their arguments and their delivery. Okay. So how, how do you go about presenting this? Is it is it something that's presented in a formal setting or is it more of a, a conversational thing and you just point out uh, oh, no. certain aspects as, as the conversation is going on? I have to do it on a whiteboard initially or a printout for them because visually they have to see the XY chart and see where I'm mm -hmm. going with this. That's number one. But then again, then I will use multiple, multiple simple examples in class to give it to them. Almost like a, almost like an underhand pitch with a wiffle ball, or as Bruce Lee says in the dojo, that boards don't hit back. So I let them just hit the bag without getting hit back and I let them practice it for more muscle memory and to understand it. And so while they're in the calls, and I was mentioning earlier on our podcast, the KPIs, the key performance indicators and my quality assurance department, which grades their calls, they're grading a call. What I'm looking for is the sauce. You know what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for you to say, hey, Soul Toucher, is your address 123 Main Street? That's what I'm paying you for. I want you to talk about Fluffy the dog. Right, or right. Or do some active listening with you to bring you back or the positive escalation from Soul Toucher. That's what I'm waiting for. Or for you to ask the, does that make sense or sounds good right because of the spike or the dip? They have to rake. They have to confirm. 
If not, then they're not active listening. And I'll let them know that their time was off. Because if there's any sort of interruption or crosstalk, that's our end. It means that you're not mirror imaging their speaking style to understand they're pausing in their time. It, as I'm saying, gentlemen, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And once you start mm -hmm. recording your calls and conversations, you will, from an arbitrary and a neutral perspective, be able to analyze yourself and to be able to gauge this. Mm. And so as I was mentioning, in less than a month, you can add on to these really clear speaking communication skills that will greatly assist you in your relationships and conversations. Mm. Yeah, I, I like, you know, the, the way you present that, I, I like it because um, I'm a master resilience trainer in, in the National Guard. And, you know, it, it has, you know, like 15 lessons within it. And, you know, I, I think if this was incorporated in it, it would greatly increase the understanding and the resiliency process with individuals because you can ease, you, you can better identify though those those spikes that you were talking about well once again they can't do this they need to be open-minded on these calls right and, and they need to have their reassurance that what they're saying is correct and for me usually in the beginning people have a negative tone because they're black and blue from these phone calls and that's mm -hmm. why my suggestion is when you're calling into an environment instead of saying hi may i speak to sun soul please or or hey soul toucher how are you i don't right. do that hey how's the king and i doing today <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's really using my anonymity and my first impression by saying something better than you did and so I can I can set the pace there. And so if anything of nothing, kind of like a James Bond movie, you know, the first three minutes is going to be amazing before they roll the credits and tell you what's going on. And so my <laughs> stuff is, 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 is selling the sizzle. It really is. It's dessert first. And what I'm doing is immediately separating myself from dozens upon dozens of people that are trying to bypass or angle their way in there. Now I'm playing my percentages, but I'm doing it better. And I'm showing you good faith prior to any sort of contracts or relationships. And that is why my style will not compromise your ethics. And I also feel like it's rated G, you know, where I'm not cursing or showing you some sort of thing that's unethical, where imagine if you're listening to this podcast with your kid in the car, next thing you know, it goes, hey, daddy, what's the buffer boomerang technique? And you're like, uh-oh. Next thing you know, in the evening, it goes, daddy, that's an excellent question. I really don't want to go to bed at nine o'clock, <laughs> you know? And then it goes, for my clarification, is it two or three scoops of ice cream? And you're like, wait right. a second. There's no scoops of ice cream. It's too late and you've got to go to bed. And so what I'm trying to do is just have things that are universally known, things that you could share with your children, and maybe things that once again will just enrich your personal and professional life. But um, that's why I was here today with you gentlemen and your amazing audience, because I wanted to share my best. You brought that out of me. And obviously, look how fast these two hours just went by. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And so I, I really can't thank you enough for 
inviting me here and, and sharing this time with you. I, I really had the most amazing time tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And, um, and we, we definitely appreciate the energy that you brought. Um, it was very, it was great. Uh, I can't, I can't thank you enough. And I got really got to thank Sheila G Hill. I mean, she's just putting such love out there and, right. and, and red lipsticks vibe. Thank you so much as well. I mean, that's really cool. Right. So I, I just have two quick questions before we, we let you go. One is um, with your wife being, you know, such a big part of your life and your business, how do you two maintain a balance when you're away from work? Oh, it's very easy. It's almost like a honeymoon stage. I like to cook dinner for her, right? Make sure the house is clean and cool. Put some nice music on the jukebox in the in the living room. Got one at home as well. And that's my princess. So it's princess mm. time. And she runs the company. I run the company. Do we really, really want to talk about that at home? It, from time to time, something comes up where we discuss it. But right. we make sure to respect that time because she's the most important person in my world. And every minute that I get to spend with her and focus on my wife is amazing. And so um, it's not easy to do because you just come off of work. I mean, it's going to be 730, but at the time I get home, I'm, I'm going to be hyped up from this, but I can also separate it from this. Right. right. And I, I can decompress by the time I get home. And um, I've also realized not to raise a voice. You can be emotional, but you should never step over lines. In 22 years we've been together, we've never done any sort of low blows or insults or anything. It's just, it's just relentless love and respect. And, and I married a very, very good and honest woman that really has her morals intact. And what that's done is it's given me peace because there's a certain section of my life that has been complete for very, very long. The, the only thing I'm sad about is that I didn't grow up with her, but we did mm. meet in our mid twenties. And so in essence, we are building and living a life together. Right. And maybe she wouldn't have liked me in my teenage years, who knows, but uh, <laughs> well, she likes me now. And that's the most important right. thing. That's, that's, all, that's all that matters. And that is all that matters. But you have to imagine two worlds colliding and how much you have to share with one another. And so, as I say before, every day is just almost a new beginning on what we're able to share together. Definitely. Well, my last question though, and this is more or less for our audience because I, I, I again, your energy is off the chart and I, I love it. Um, as far as being uncomfortable in making decisions to go forth maybe with, uh, a new relationship or a new business or uh, a new challenge in life. How or what advice can you give them as far as like facing the uncomfortableness that comes along with that? I can only speak from personal experience and that's an excellent question. If you're uncomfortable it's because you're uncomfortable. If you shine, if you have something to share, then be confident enough to put it out there. If it's rejected, maybe I might be the sweetest peach, but some people don't like peaches. What are you going to do? And so I love me. 
And if I love me, then I'm capable of loving others. And so I don't know these individuals that you're speaking about, and I'm the last person to give them that sort of advice. But for me personally, if I was not able to make myself complete, there's absolutely no way I could bring other people into my circle. And so maybe, as you were mentioning before about having a routine of exercise, maybe you could change your diet a little bit so you might look and feel better. There's other things as well that you can do that's not on the television or on your phone that can enrich your life. And maybe it could be taking the chance of a new hobby that you've never done before. Join a group, join an organization, or maybe if it's just confident building, then do something you've never done before, like stand up and do some public speaking or volunteer mm -hmm. something where you are responsible to show up and to fulfill a need. And so maybe by getting these small wins, these first downs, as you would say, eventually you got a touchdown. And if it just right. takes you snapping the ball, running the play and getting some yardage, well, then just start there. Then just start there. And then when you start hitting a lot of touchdowns and feeling good about yourself, then put your best foot forward and your best image forward. But if it's confident building, then just start simple. Maybe make your bed in the morning. So you can treat yourself with that sort of respect, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. that's just the first step for somebody to do. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. I agree with Sheila. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, again, we just want to thank you for taking this time out and coming on our platform. Again, we, we are very excited about having you on, and sure enough, it, it was well worth the wait. Um, thank so you so again, much, Nonetheless. I appreciate it. We are very humbled to have you here on our show, sir. So thank you again. Awesome yes, time. Indeed. Look what we created together, right? It took us two yes. hours to do it. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah. Finally, and right? In the fourth quarter, I got one in there. <laughs> right. And I'm I'm a, I'm a definitely I'm a definitely look more into the uh interpersonal communication conflict management strategy, the phonetic micro expression reading and uh, the the buffer boomerang technique. I'm gonna definitely look more into that because you you did, you know I'm 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 more intrigued after hearing you explain it a little bit more. So I'm gonna definitely take some time and look into that because I would definitely like to put it into more practice. You know, I, I probably do it. And, and and don't didn't recognize it, but I'm gonna make it a point to recognize it and, and really um put more of an effort into you know just understanding it. Be aware, be lucid, be in the moment, then it becomes crystal clear. There you go. Oh yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. We coming to Costa Rica, uh Rica though. <laughs> we coming down there. Wait till we do our second podcast at the call center. That's going to be the best. Oh wow! You're yes, you're on. <laughs> yes, you are on. I mean, it was always fun when the Brady Bunch went on vacation. You love that episode. You guys got to come visit me here and have it on the road. This is going to be amazing. Oh, definitely. Sure. You know what? Yes, yes, indeed. We will be in touch, and we will make that happen. Excellent. Perfect. Yes, indeed. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for joining us. Um, thank you, 
Richard, for, for enlightening us and our audience. We appreciate it. We look forward to doing more with you. Uh, definitely look forward to coming to Costa Rica. Um, everybody, uh, hey, it's the King and I Life podcast. And like we say, life willing, we be here every second and fourth Wednesday. But if not, you know where to find us. Um, son, so let's go ahead and take us out of here with that. Again, we just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, again, having Mr. Richard here on our platform. Oh, this was a great podcast. So anyway, you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe weekend. And again, the holiday, which is Monday. Yeah. Uh, you guys be safe and be responsible. So again, thanks for coming through. Deuces and, to the truces. Don't forget to look Richard up on Costa Rica's call center on all social media platforms. Oh, yeah. One more thing. One more thing. If the people want to contact you, whether it be, you know, the user services or um, find out more information on Costa Rica, how can they reach you and your company? Well, I, my first suggestion is to buy a plane ticket and fly down here. But if they don't have the time <laughs> to do that, I always try. <laughs> you can call me toll free at 888-271-6750 or send me an email at CEO at Costa Rica's callcenter.com. And, and finally, as I mentioned earlier, I got an amazing Facebook fan page of 97,000 Costa Ricans you can join, but they cannot wait to meet you. So once this thing, I'm going to grab this recording, put it on there. And all of a sudden you have 97,000 new fans. All right. That's what it is. <laughs> Thank y'all for tuning in. It's the King and I Life Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Good night, everyone.